0: Alright, hello everyone and welcome back to Crispy Sports Corner. I'm your host Chris Platy. Here bringing alongside me is Chris Phillips. Chris, how you doing? Good, good. How are you? Good, good. This is what we'll call an emergency holy hell podcast because <laughs> everything just unleashed in the playoffs and all these clipper injuries, we'll get to those later. But first, I want to start with a little Cavs Pistons series that wrapped up this weekend. Chris, what were your takeaways? Who were, who were was? Give me somebody who was a champ for... For the Caps in this series,
1: uh, the obvious one is Kyrie. Kyrie just totally destroyed them with threes and making plays left and right each game. The um, buzzer beater, not the well, the shot clock buzzer beater at the end of game three. That, yeah, was, that was that was crucial. That was huge. Pretty much end of the game. And then of course the uh, one in game four, he had multiple threes down the stretch. And then ultimately the stop on Reggie also it, it, was it a foul? Was it not a foul? Whatever you want to say, I would say no. But
0: it wasn't. No, <laughs> um, it wasn't.
1: And, but that's obvious. Um, well, as a whole, their whole team. As a whole, their team played well. Um, he's obviously their champ for that series, the MVP per se. Um, but other guys stepped up big time. Like J.R. Smith had a couple good games, made big threes. Um, Kevin Love did his job, um, and Tristan Thompson. If he has those games where he can tack the glass, and everyone everyone else is hitting on their on their part. Then they're probably the most dangerous team, honestly. I think in the whole NBA.
0: No, I agree with you. I, I'm glad you brought up the Tristan Thompson thing because that seemed out uh, watching those games that seemed so killer. Because every time Drummond would force be forced to rotate, and then no one could box out Tristan Thompson, and he just got so many offensive rebounds every game. I I didn't look at the numbers, but I mean, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if he averaged four offensive rebounds a game. He was just grabbing them every time Drummond rotated, and that was a huge problem for the Pistons. That led to so many second-chance points, and Cleveland dominated the Pistons in that category. Um, overall, a champ for me will start with the Cavs. I think it was, obviously, I, I do agree with the whole Kyrie, but if I had to pick somebody else, I I would say... I would say Kevin Love, even though he had a bad game four, but it looked like in game four he got shook up and uh, he had some type of arm injury, and I thought maybe it was another shoulder injury. I remember seeing him play. Early was, in the first, um, yeah.
1: Who was the play with? It was um, almost like a similar play to the Kelly Olenek one last year. Yeah. And even me being a Pistons fan, well, I'm a Cat, well, I'm not going to say I'm a Cass I'm a LeBron fan, but I, when I seen that, I even got mad that, like, I, it wasn't a, like a purpose thing, but it's like... Yeah, it's just like, to, come on, yeah, another... Like, yeah, exactly.
0: Again, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah, I do want to see this Cleveland team healthy. I am a Pistons fan, but I do want to see this Cleveland team healthy because I really want to see, and I want all these Cavs fans to know that the Warriors are going to annihilate the <laughs> Cavs regardless. But we'll get to that in another time. Um, Chris, just give me... Give me somebody you thought on the Pistons' side that actually played positive. Give me a chance.
1: Marcus Morris was the biggest step-up player in the whole series. Not in the series, but for the Pistons, I think so. Just because the expectations aren't necessarily that high with Morris, I'd say. Like, you would hope he gives you your 14 and 6 or whatever it is. But he came out in multiple games in the first half, and I think he had 19 or 20 in two of the four games and he was a big contributor scoring wise. If they couldn't get, if Drummond or Reggie couldn't hit a shot, he always seemed to be there and was there to hit a shot for them.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. Marcus was huge, but I also I I I want to go a different route. I want to go KCP. And I know that sounds crazy um, that I'm gonna praise his defense when Kyrie played amazing. But again, that that just shows how. We didn't bring that up when we were talking about Kyrie. How good of defense KCP played on him, and this man still got buckets every play. Uh, Kyrie played sensational, and KCP actually did play sensational defense. He he was a dog. He was locked on him all game of every single game of the entire series. And offensively, I thought he shot the ball well. He uh, he attacked the basket well, and he his it was it was nice to see from KCP an all-around good series it was only four games but usually with kcp you don't see four good games back to back to back so and it just was nice for
1: him uh, the, the whole starting five as a whole uh, being young but for him he's what 20 whatever two, 22 i think and he's playing against kyrie lebron and the Cavs. his first playoff series and he did four he had four good games so that's nice to see that that will help him build for future series
0: Okay, so we'll go to we'll go to a chump and you and I talked about this on the Cleveland side. We don't really think there is one. Everybody kind of I don't did their think, job, no, right?
1: You can't really point any fingers. Nothing really went wrong. Like everyone that had to contribute did that. Yeah. So I don't see anything on that side.
0: Yeah, some people like even the people that didn't necessarily contribute, they just played okay. They That's didn't what I'm saying. Like
1: nobody messed up. Nobody stood out. I was like, wow, what a mess up that one, yeah. you know?
0: But for Trump, I think this for Detroit is very easy, and I'm going to say Reggie Jackson, Chris. Oh, he blew. Man. He blew oh, pretty much down the stretch of all three games yeah. that were close. All three games that were close, Reggie Jackson had the play that lost them the game, or multiple plays, like in Game 1 and Game 2, or Game 3, I'm sorry. So, Reggie really struggled in this, and I know statistically he was one of the best fourth-quarter players in the NBA coming into the playoffs, but he flat-out choked in the playoffs. Um, he he did not play well down the stretch of every game he had a turnover i think in every single game yeah. in the last in the last minute and so.
1: game 4 he had literally no turnovers and then i think in the last about a minute and a half or two yeah. he ended up having two crucial ones so yeah it was really frustrating to see him just because throughout the season he was a good player down the stretch and even throughout the the games he was good he was pretty good, and then when it when it mattered the most, he just was not there, and it cost them big time.
0: It did, and the thing with me is okay. I get if you're taking the shots and you're missing them, that's fine. But his decision making was his decision poor. Decision making was not that good. It was it was terrible. He and he, he looked like he flat out panicked. I mean every every game he lost possession of the ball. You know, so yeah. He, it's
1: not even like the Cavs made some stellar play or he just missed the shot, like. He literally just mishandled the ball. Like He bounced the ball off his foot
0: like three times in the final minute of the game. And even
1: in game four, the last possession, I'm not saying he made a bad move, but I think he took too long in deciding what he wanted to do. I I think going for the three was totally fine because that way you get the win, and if you go for the two, you're going to OT against the Cavs. Are you going to win or are you not? I think it's just more safe to hopefully you make the three and continue one more game I'm fine with him shooting that three but I just think he was more we were talking about this a couple days ago and he was more concerned with drawing the contact rather than actually making the shot that's what it seemed like to me. yeah
0: it seemed like he was already banking on there being contact and he was just trying to throw it up there and just get the contact uh but I'm actually going to disagree with you on that last shot I would have liked to we know look we know watching the Pistons all season Reggie's not a great three-point shooter I would have later seen him take a couple more dribbles in and get a floater. I don't really – I'd have to watch the play again because I watched it in real time at the game, so I wasn't really able to fully break it down. But I believe he had a second or two, so he could have well, gotten a I few mean, more dribbles to that. They got
1: the ball with like probably – I would say seven and a half, eight seconds. And yeah. he got the ball and he kind of stood there for a second like, okay, mm-hmm. here we go. And then he went to the top, dribbled out a little bit. I'm not saying – the three-pointer was the best play. I'm fine with it just because I okay. think that it would have helped him if he would have made it, obviously, to continue a game rather than go to OT. It's just because he took a little too long at, at the top, I think. If he was going to go for the two, the best he would have got is a mid-range, which is fine, but... I, don't know, I just don't think he could have got to the basket completely against Kyrie or LeBron, anyone else there protecting the rim.
0: No, and, and that whole play starts with Stanley grabbing the loose ball, and right. he holds it for a split yeah, he, second, he and, and then like, gives it to KCP, who also holds it for a split, a split second. It's only a split second, but yeah.
1: when a couple split seconds add up in seven yeah. seconds, you're like, okay, well, you got to go now.
0: And then Reggie, that was the thing that I saw, I first noticed when Reggie got the ball, he walked. He took two or three steps of walking, and then he started to try and push it and do that behind the back on Kyrie, and then all the, all, all that happened. But bottom line, Cavs advance. Uh, they complete the sweep against the Pistons. Chris, going into the offseason for the Pistons, and just actually before we go into the offseason, looking back at the season, how successful was this season to you?
1: It's uh, it was a good season for sure. Uh, I think coming in, you expected to make the playoffs with the roster you had. Um, I would say the seventh seed would be nice, especially since it's Toronto instead of Cavaliers. Yeah. But, you know what? You played a competitive series. You were a tough foul, per se to the Cavaliers. You to really the were against is going a good team. To make yeah. the finals, they will be in the finals, and they would. None of those games were easy. The Pistons played tough, and they gained a lot of experience with their young starting five, and I think they have a lot to take from the season and the series as a whole to move forward.
0: No, I, I agree. Uh, I agree with that totally in terms of experience gained and all of that. Uh, I I Coming into the series, uh, I said, you know, if the Cavs sweep them, how much experience do they really gain from being swept? But the fact that they played in every single game was close, they've I think they do have some experience in terms of learning how to deal with clutch and all of that. And also I think that watching the way they played in this series against the Cavs, you can make an argument for them against five of the other teams in the in the conference, right? Like I think I think if the Pistons were to play anybody but Cleveland, Miami and Atlanta, I think you could make an argument that Detroit could win the series. Yeah, they got
1: a legit shot of moving on. The thing and is, maybe even Miami. A big takeaway from the series, I think the biggest was each game all four games they came out really really good the first half was really good and then the second half it's like what it's almost like kind of what happened like the cavaliers made a couple big shots and they couldn't seem to get out of it the pistons it's like i don't think they were second half ready and that's where they seemed to lose it to me like the pistons were great the first half and second half eh not so much and they're kind of coming from behind playing catch up the whole time
0: yeah and that was the one thing i did like though about Detroit is that it seemed like every time it, it was a series of runs. Like the Cavs would go on a NATO run, then the Pistons came back with the NATO run, then the Cavs responded. So it was nice to see that in this series, like it wasn't just a lot of these games where Detroit made major comebacks and and, and kept it close. Like they had to keep fighting, rally after rally from Cleveland. Um, so overall, the series is over. Obviously, the Cavs advance and offseason-wise, if you're looking at the Pistons, what are what is your strategy for the offseason? What do the Pistons need to do?
1: Um, there's two ways to go, like we were saying earlier, and a couple of days ago even with uh, other friends, but either you think you're one pretty solid piece to actually becoming a contender, because let's not forget, they won 44 games, which, how much did they win last year? Like,
0: 20? Uh, 32.
1: Was it? Okay. So, that's a huge jump, and say you have 44 games, you win six more, you're a 51 team, and a 51 mm-hmm. team in the NBA, that's a pretty good team. So say you're, you think you're one pretty solid piece away, which I think you can look at guys um, like we discussed, Ryan Anderson, Al Horford, other guys of those caliber, or you think, okay, we like our young starting five, um, we think they're going to learn, and we add to the bench. That was obviously a huge problem for the Pistons the entire season, and and in that Cavs series. So either you add two, three, maybe nice pieces to that bench, or you add one pretty good piece and one bench player. I mean, however, you, I mean it's obvious they need a right. backup starting point guard. That's a guarantee will happen. Steve Blake won't be back. I, I couldn't imagine.
0: I, I couldn't. I wouldn't wish Steve Blake upon my worst enemy. <laughs> Jeez, that was. That was a torturous season, man. That that really was watching Blake. Every time he checked in, my heart just sank a little bit. Um, but no, I agree with you. There are two separate ways. Uh, the one idea is to get to get the star. Uh, but I would tend to lean towards upgrading the bench, just because I think that I think that this core really can work. I do like this core, and the fact that this team is so young, like all of these guys except for outside of maybe Reggie, are going to drastically improve. Like, KCP is going to be a lot better. He's still young. He's going to get a lot better. Drummond's going to get a lot better. Harris is going to get a lot better. Morris, he might get a little... He's probably going to improve a little bit. Stanley will get loads better, better yeah. you know. Like, these guys are so young, and when you're in your first couple years of the NBA, you really do grow exponentially your first couple seasons. So with KCP especially being a contract year I really expect him to play very well next year. Uh, and then uh, obviously Stanley being 19 years old, he's got he's got a lot of upswing, a lot of upside. So I like the I like the core six that they have which is the starting five and then Stanley Johnson who we presume is going to be the starting small forward moving forward. So I would tend to believe that you want to upgrade the bench, maybe try and unload that Jody Meek's contract because 6 million isn't bad it is an expiring deal for jody meeks but i think that six million can get you somebody better than jody meeks i really do even though everyone's getting paid this summer i think you can get somebody and maybe not even better than jody meeks but somebody who's actually going to be able to can contribute exactly right so i i would tend to think that i would tend to think that the bench route is the best just because we said steve blake awful and yeah
1: the thing I think is the way the way I do it is I think you add a pretty good player and that way I think I think the attention needs to be the 4 yes. because I don't think they have a definite 4. I think Harris can go in between of 3 and 4, but is mm-hmm. he a really solid 4? I don't know. The thing I think you go with the 4 in free agency that will start and that way you then bump either Morris Harris or Stanley, one of those, one of them would start and then two of them would be on the bench. That way you're adding a little depth to the bench. Mm-hmm. And then obviously I think Baines is fine. And then you get, you do need a backup point guard. So I think if you have now a pretty good veteran backup point guard, um, Stanley. Baines, and, say, Harris. Harris. Yeah, because Harris.
0: Harris's playmaking ability, I right. think, would make more sense off the and, bench.
1: Well, that's, He's just a nice All pop around. to come off the bench. Right. He can come in and score for you. So I think that's – now you have five good starters, yeah. and you have four nice bench, bench pieces.
0: No, I agree with that. I do believe that the four is the spot to uh, figure out because if you look at – the Cavs are – and look – the pistons not to get too far ahead of themselves they do want to start comparing themselves to the cavs because if they're going to challenge they first got to get through cleveland so i think that if you're using cleveland as a measuring stick look how kevin love just abused harris you're going to need i think in my opinion you need a bigger stronger four that can also shoot the 3 right. and harris shot the he shot the ball okay but i think you need a better shooting four who's also bigger and can body guys like Kevin Love when when Kevin Love slides down and plays the four so the Pistons are done let's get to the let's get to the shock of the of the night last night the Clippers injured not one but two of their big three last night Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and I did not catch the game so I did not see how these injuries happened. but I believe Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. The Blake Griffin injury was the same quad that he had problems with earlier?
1: I, I would, I, I'm not even for sure, but I'd imagine so.
0: I, I think so. Sense. I think so, too. Uh, I think I read somewhere that it was the same quad, but I'm not entirely sure on that. And Chris Paul fractures his hand, right? It, yeah. yeah, it was, a, it was considered a fracture. Yeah. He's out. Um, the latest update, I think, was four to six weeks, and Blake Griffin is out well, for the entire playoffs. Blake is...
1: Yeah, Blake is determined out for the entire playoffs. Chris Paul was out indefinitely, which is, yeah, you might as well be out.
0: Yeah, I mean, four to six weeks for Chris Paul, That's you're not getting past yeah. the awards. That, so, if
1: anything, that's like a mid-finals return. Like, yeah, I don't know what that is.
0: And you can't get to the finals without Chris Paul <laughs> no, and Blake Griffin. You no. can't be led by DeAndre Jordan, J.J. Redick, and no. Jamal Crawford. And Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers is going to get buckets and carry this team. But no, in all seriousness... This is really interesting because Chris and I were talking yesterday about how crazy and how how nice of a test it would be for the Warriors to face a fully loaded Clippers team, and we were debating back and forth if the Clippers could actually beat them or if the Warriors could win, who was going to win that series, and Chris, I think you ultimately sided with the Clippers would win that series, right? I think the Clippers
1: would have just because now you have Chris Paul being guarded by Sean Livingston, Mm -hmm. and that opens up many options for him, because he, he can score, obviously he's a point guard, he can pass the ball, but he can score at a good rate, and not only that, he's just probably going to burn Livingston, which opens up the door for alley-oop after alley-oop with, uh, with uh, Jordan. Jordan and Blake. So,
0: Yeah, yeah no, I, I agreed with that, but my one counter is something that the Warriors have never had to do all season, was the hacker Hacker, uh, not Drummond. DeAndre. yeah, Hacker DeAndre. They're both bad at free throws, by the way. Um, but but yeah, hacking drum or damn, I keep I keep messing up hacking Jordan. Is is a strategy that I think you would have to see Kerr implement, and I do think it would actually be a series. I would pick it to go six or seven. Definitely. But now with with Paul and Griffin both out for easily the next two rounds this round and the next round uh chris let's get into that blazers series now they're tied do you think that the blazers win this series now with both of them out
1: i think i think now it's it is in their favor strictly because okay now it's 2-2 two, two. Mm-hmm. they have the momentum because they're coming off the win and they know chris paul and blake runs out this is their shot I I remember the one of the first podcasts we did for this NBA season. I had the Blazers as the biggest losers the entire offseason because they lost three starting pieces, and I thought they were going to be just awful. And I want to say I think their coach was robbed of the coach of the year. I don't think Steve Kerr necessarily deserved it for missing half the year. Seventy
0: three and nine. He was gone half. He was gone
1: half him. the year, but that's that's a, that's a different argument. Whatever. Um, but. I think they see this as their shot, and they can get into that next round. I, I think I don't know. It's just like it's like you're almost restarting the series now. You have right. a different Clippers team, and you're tied at two apiece. It's now it's, it's now it's three. now a best of three. Um, obviously, two at Staples Center for the Clippers, one at Portland. But who's to say that they can't win one in LA? So,
0: no, I I agree with you. I think that the Blazers would be my favorite right now because. You look at the last player left, the last star of the big three, it's DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan can't make plays, and he can't really score. He
1: relies on Chris Paul. He relies on
0: Chris Paul. So, like, DeAndre is going to be very impactful defensively, but he can only protect the paint, and this Blazers team thrives on three-point shooting. So I think that now you have JJ Redick and Jamal Crawford is going to have to take a lot of minutes, and that means you're sticking Jamal Crawford on either Lillard CJ McCollum, McCollum or Daniel. The Dane thing is, Hood, both so. of them,
1: with Redick or Crawford, it's not like they're known defenders; they're known right. shooters. That's what they they're there for. So now you're relying heavy minute. They're at least 35 minutes for both of them, I would imagine. Yeah, and you're going to put them on a young and better. Players of McCollum and Lillard, so that's definitely going to be a problem for them.
0: It is, and Mason Plumlee has actually has actually played pretty well against DeAndre in this series. So overall, I think that I think that the Blazers really are the favorites to win. Uh, it will be very interesting to see what how Game Five shapes out because I do think that the Blazers will, or I think the Clippers will run a lot of screens with Reddick and uh, DeAndre. That's that was like kind of their that was kind of their third option on offense. I think that's
1: what it's gonna come down to is literally their three point shooting because like we said, without Paul, we're not saying Austin Rivers is a scrub and can't get DeAndre the ball, but if anyone can get their guy the ball, it's Chris Paul. Right. So sorry about that, Ryan. That was weird. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I think that they're literally gonna rely almost completely on their three point shooting with Reddick and Crawford. So I don't know, it's You live and die by the three for the Clippers for the next three games, I guess.
0: Yeah, I guess, and then you hope that DeAndre just tip slams every single miss.
1: Clean up up the boards. So
0: yeah, if if I'm Terry Stotts now, which I do agree, he was a good coach and he did deserve the he did deserve the candidacy. But let's not let's not get into it. No, it's (laughs) it's still Steve Kerr. You seventy three and nine, dude. Seventy three and nine. The case is over. Uh, But. I think that now what you do with your stats is you just focus your attention on preventing the threes and boxing out DeAndre, and then that's your strategy. That's really it. If you're, you, if you you can
1: you somehow got to find a way to get him in foul trouble, and if you take him out of the game, they're oh yeah. in just giant or if they even trouble.
0: go or if they even go hacker Jordan, yeah, they take it. him out, yeah. and then you got and then all of a sudden the Clippers are out their three best players. Who are they got? Cole Aldridge. That their lineup would be Austin Rivers, Cole Aldridge, Jamal Crawford, JJ Redick, and like. Wesley Johnson I don't or, know, yeah. Or, oh yeah, Paul Pierce is on but that He's too. hardly even played in the yeah. series. I don't know. So so yeah, it's, it it's tough it's tough to really pick the Clippers right now and it is very unfortunate because it looked like it started to look like Noah and I talked about this on the podcast we did yesterday which will air simultaneously just to show you how wrong we were yesterday when we were talking all of these uh series. But the the point I was trying to make is is that this team is just so, it's so, you feel so bad for the Clippers because the, it, looked like, it looked like yesterday, as of yesterday, it looked like this was their shot. The Warriors were going down, and maybe, you know, you can get lucky against the Spurs in the next round. And all of a sudden, the Clippers get to the finals, and in the finals, anything can happen. And after year after year of saying the Clippers were one of the teams that were going to make it to the finals, Now, all of a sudden, this is the year they start to be counted out, and this could have been the year. It looked like it was almost shaping up for them to be their year, right? This was looking like their best shot. So it's unfortunate for the Clippers, but I I am happy to see more Damian and CJ McCollum because they are very fun to watch. And Let's talk about that next round, Chris. So next round, we're both predicting that the Blazers win the series now, right?
1: I'll take I'll take the Blazers on edge over the Clippers. So let's say Blazers. Okay.
0: okay. So Blazers, Blazers in seven, Blazers in six, whatever it takes. And Chris, now, I, how do these injuries shape up the rest of the Western Conference now?
1: Well, for the Blazers or for everyone as a whole, just for everyone as even, a whole. Even even Golden Saver's Blazers, I just don't think the Blazers will have enough. Um,
0: Even without Curry, I think
1: Lillard will light it up though because you know yeah. Curry's not on him or McCullum, either way. How they want to yeah. see how they defend those two, um, but I just don't think they're gonna have enough. And um, it's definitely it's Draymond's Draymond Green's time to shine. I think he's one of the most cocky, arrogant players in the NBA. <laughs> I don't personally like him, but I'm because he's from but, State. No, 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 no. He he just he comes off as just <laughs> annoying to me. But I'm not saying he's not a good player. He's a very good player. Um, so, it would be his time to really prove himself, I think. And I think they're going to win that series. I mean, that's a, yeah. I think that's kind of a given, unless some other weird injury happens to them. But so, Golden State advances. And then the OKC Spurs, like, that literally should not be a second round matchup. It's going like, to be so that's good. so That bothers me. It doesn't bother me, but it's just like these two teams are both deserving, I think, to even to be, play in the finals, the NBA finals, let alone the conference finals. But here they are in the second round going against each other. I really don't know how that works out. Um, I think those both of them, the, both of those teams, Spurs and the Thunder, I think they would both beat the Warriors wow. in a series without Curry. Oh, okay. Without, without Curry. Curry. So say, Curry, say Curry's not there in two weeks after his reevaluation, I do think um, the Thunder or the Spurs would come out of the West, whichever yeah. one wins that series, would... depending on Curry's health, of course. But I don't know who would win that series. I really have no way. I don't. I don't know. They're both so good, and they—I don't know. The Westbrook and Durant—it's like hard to imagine them losing, but we've seen it happen time and time again. So I yeah. can't sit there and bank on them. And The Spurs—you can bank on them. That's the thing. Like the Spurs, yeah. are the Spurs. So I'm going to leave it up, but I think I'm just going to say, without Curry, I don't think the Warriors will advance to the finals. That's okay. how I see it. Okay. So, it that.
0: so let's look at it. Let's look at it this way now. So you're the Warriors, and you get the and you get the Blazers next round. Do you sit Curry out the entire series, or do you bring him back in maybe Game 4, Game 5, well, whatever, and let him get a couple reps? Everything that's happening
1: is helping them out, because now that these two are injured, Blake and Paul, that it's going to presumably extend the series, especially since the Blazers won yesterday, which gives Curry a little more time. Mm-hmm. Um, say you go 7, which the odds are pretty good to go 7, I'd yeah. say. That gives Curry even more time, and then he... Get His re-evaluation, re-evaluation would probably be like game three or four yeah, of the conference either. semis. And say we took the Blazers to win. Are the Blazers going to win three games out of those three or four? Probably no. not. Yeah. You'd be lucky to get two, honestly. It just depends on how close the series is, obviously. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a given. Like, if it's 2-2 and he's ready to play, maybe he plays on, like, restricted limits. But if it's uh, Golden State 3-1, per se, I think you just you know, bank on winning the series, let him get his rest. Obviously he needs to play in some aspects, so shoot around, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. But I'd say, you know, if you can and you feel comfortable winning that series without him, you let he doesn't play in that series. That's how I see it.
0: See, now I'm almost of the mindset, like, it's hard because that injury, according to a lot of the people I've, I've listened to and read, say that it's an injury that you don't really play with because it is an injury that, it's, it's not an injury you play through. It's an injury that if you play through, you can worsen it. Like, right now, it's, it's a slight strain or a small tear. They're not small sure tear, yet. Yeah. So if, if he plays, if he continues to play on that MCL, then it could become a full-on torn, and it could be a lot worse of a situation. So it, it's that hard. But also, I do agree that the Thunder and Spurs series is going to be great, but I think that this Warriors-Spurs series is going to be even better I really think this is going to be an amazing series. Just jumps to the conclusion,
1: Spurs beat the Thunder.
0: Yeah, I, I do. I really think that the Spurs beat the Thunder, and that's no disrespect to Thunder. I think it will be a great series. But my point was is that if they play the Spurs, the Spurs have the bet, one of the best defensive statistics, um, statistically speaking, one of the best defenses in the, in the modern era of NBA, in the three-point era of the NBA, which spans all the way back, for those of you that don't know, to 1979. So the Spurs have, statistically speaking, one of the... Um, as of February, from November to February, they had the third-best defense all time, and it kind of tailed off because pop rest players and all that, but and, and the, those Warriors blowout games didn't help them either. And they also tied the home record for the best home team. So... When you're talking about such a good defensive team like the Spurs, they're already gonna make Curry uncomfortable. Then you throw him back in with no experience against that Spurs team that's already gonna make him comfortable. He might not be able to get his confidence back for the entire series or his are, rhythm.
1: Are you saying he plays the Blazers' series? Okay, he I'm sits saying I'm saying I'm the I'm saying I'm
0: not sure. I'm I'm saying I'm saying. It's hard. I'm saying that's the hard part about it is because I think that Spurs defense is so good that you might want to think about... And and look, this is all assuming that in two weeks the evaluation is he's clear to be played because we don't know the timeline could be extended and he could be out even longer before it's even considered for him to come back. So we'll say the two-week timeline, he's clear to play. I don't know if you want to play him and risk further injury or if you and try to get him comfortable in game 3 or 4 or whatever whatever the series is if Golden State's up 3-0 3-1 probably that's probably the most likely scenario 3-1 3-4 uh, 3-1 probably 3-1 probably heading into heading into game 5 I think you play Curry just to just to get him some reps and get him ready because this San Antonio Spurs team is a legit defense so I I I really think that especially shooters like Curry you need to get in rhythm, and the Spurs can if it. The Spurs can play such good defense that they might not allow him to get into rhythm between the combination of the defense and the rust.
1: So you're just counting out the Rockets already? It's three one.
0: <laughs> no, they did it last year. <laughs> uh, uh,
1: by the way, Jason Terry guaranteed a win at Oracle Arena. Oh
0: dear, God. not even kidding. Actually, <laughs>
1: though, um, back to your point, I think Curry just just. To, make sure you don't aggravate that injury. If he is clear to play, um, I think you just sit him out for the Blazers series. I think your team's obviously very, very superior, even without Curry to the Blazers. So I think you just bank on winning that series, let him rest, um, keep him ready, and then once the final conference finals comes, you um, get him in there.
0: And you just hope that the rust isn't too much yeah. of a factor. I mean, you we're know? also
1: talking about the best shooter of all time. Probably. Right,
0: so, so you, you, know, yeah. you
1: know, he'll hit some and he'll definitely miss some, but, you know.
0: And and it's all a confidence thing with the shot. So you know he he makes one and he really gets going. Yeah, so. He
1: chews his mouth guard in the sideline. And Draymond weighs a tall old story. I'm over it. Oh
0: my gosh! This is this guy's the biggest <laughs> Warriors hater on the planet right now. I think the only Warriors hater on the planet uh, right whatever. now. All right, so we'll wrap up with this thought. Um, Chris, tell me of these series left. Which of these first-round series will be the most entertaining for you to watch, and which do you think has the potential to be the best?
1: I think I'm going to go Miami and Charlotte just because um, I think whichever team wins has a legitimate shot of beating, let's say, Toronto. I think Toronto's yeah. going to win at this point. Um, and I think, well, I think Miami would win that series of Miami-Charlotte, so I'm hoping they win that. And I want to see Miami... Toronto, and for my own self-pleasure, I want to see Miami versus the Cavs in the conference finals. Um, Obviously, LeBron, Miami, be a good storyline. He goes in there, he blows it up, they boo him, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going off Miami-Charlotte just because I think it has the biggest impact, potentially, just because I think Miami-Toronto would be a good series, and then Miami and Cavaliers would be something cool to see, because I, I was thinking about Boston Atlanta, but I just think ultimately the winner of that gets fed to the Cavs, which is, a I think, a general statement by anybody. So I think um, I want to see how that plays out with Miami and Charlotte going forward.
0: Yeah, I do really, I'll, I'll tell you what, I do, I'm do. i actually more fond of the Hawks this year than I was last year, which is kind of weird considering the Hawks were better kind of better last year. They looked better. But I don't know, I think this year I've kind of bought into them but i do think that cleveland's a team that just has their number has their um cleveland just is a team that atlanta doesn't match up well against but i do think like atlanta would match up well against miami or other teams so i am kind of intrigued with the boston uh with the boston atlanta series but i do agree with you i think the charlotte miami has the most stakes because they are teams that can really um not, I, not it's the obvious it's just Toronto's but... more vulnerable than yes. the Cavaliers. and period. and v- to put this in perspective, we are recording this just right after the final of the of the game where the Raptors came back and they came back. They outscored the Pacers twenty five to nine in the fourth quarter to take Game Five in a three two series lead. Chris, how do you uh, how do you see that series shaking out? Are the Pacers done in six, or do you think the Pacers got enough to force Game Seven?
1: I think when you blow something like that that just takes a lot out of you mm-hmm. and toronto is the better team like they definitely are right they they might not be playing like it necessarily but they are the better team so i think momentum swings back to the raptor side i know game six would be in indiana but i don't know i think i'm gonna go toronto in six
0: okay i i agree with that i think toronto and six and chris i want to ask you one last question before we wrap this up here with toronto Toronto going six or seven against Indiana. Are you are you not still not confident in Toronto that they can be um, that they can contend or even like face the Cavs? Like, do you think do you think they have any shot at beating Cleveland or at least making it a series?
1: I don't know. Like, honestly, I don't even know if they're going to be there. Let alone because yeah. first of all, I do think they're going to be the Pacers, but that's not just because I say that. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> um, and even that. I think the Hornets are a good team, and I think the Heat are a good team, and I think, truthfully, that's pretty much winner take all. I think Toronto would have an edge a little bit, but we know they're not the best playoff team in the last recent couple years. Um, so, I don't, I don't know. I think Toronto was more scary three months ago. Now it's yeah. just like, eh.
0: I agree. I agree. Right. I was, I was one of those people that never bought into it. I said, look, I'll, I, I got to see how they play in the playoffs because, look, there is, there is and people don't really quantify this and neither do advanced analytics that there really is a mental state does mean a lot to teams and it really can affect a team. Like you you've seen teams like like Miami's really honestly, if you look at them on paper, they're not super talented, but they're super confident in themselves and they play great because of that. You know, you know what I mean? So I I don't know. I think I think Toronto's a fraud. I think they are. I think they. I think I am at this point. I'm so concerned that I think I don't pick them to get out of the second round. Whoever they play, Charlotte or Miami. I think if they play Miami, I think it's a good series. Uh, or I, I'm sorry, if I if they play Charlotte, I think it's a good series, but Charlotte wins, which would be crazy. Charlotte in the I like conference Charlotte. final. Charlotte's cool. I like and then, it. um, and then they got, and then you got Miami, who I think would just beat down the beat down the uh the raptors because of their experience all right and that will do it for this episode of crispy sports corner remember there will be two episodes uh leaked simultaneously posted up this one with chris phillips and chris thank you for coming on no problem anytime all right we will see you back again and stay tuned for the other one featuring noel Hoffman. thanks guys